Father, today, we long to be in your very presence. We long for you as we journey towards you, Father. We ask today once again that you look down upon us. And we ask, Lord, how do you find us? As you unfold the members of our soul, our minds, our emotions, our volition, the extension of that which we are and what we do, we lay it before you. Not because we deserve it, but because of the blood of the Lamb that covers it. We continue to pray, Lord, that you will mold us and confirm us into his image. We continue to ask for the Holy Spirit to be present within us and to anoint us and to be upon us. We thank you for the provision that you have provided and the care that you have taken as we return to you a part of that. May you bless it for the support and expansion of your ministry here and towards the ends of the world. Lord, we continue to pray for people who are traveling, for people who are sick, who, don't, who couldn't be here. May your Holy Spirit be with them to comfort them. Lord, at this time, we also remember family members as there are fathers here and grandfathers and great-grandfathers. Lord, we look with heartache over children that don't know you or family members that we have that don't know you. And we pray, Lord, that uh, you'll put people in their paths who know you and share and witness to them. Lord, as earthly dads, we look upon our own families and we ask for your grace. Lord, you are the one who fills the valleys. Straighten the paths. Moves the mountains. Would you speak to us today in a small, still voice? As we prepare our hearts to hear you, may we put everything aside as we seek you, Lord, and your voice. And we thank you for this beautiful time that you have given us. Blessed in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. <clears throat> Please ignore the bulletins. Uh, we will not be able to go through Judges 9 today. Uh, instead, uh, the Lord's taking us in a direction of looking at sec uh, Judges chapter 2. If you're new with us, we're reading through scriptures. Please take one of the Bible reading plans from the back. Uh, our Wednesday nights Bible studies, our Sunday school, and our worship services will follow. And we'll be preaching from something uh, from the previous week's reading. So you'll be instead with us. Don't try to catch up. <clears throat> we have reached this beautiful place of Judges chapter 2. It is, it is our custom, um, you know, as it was in the synagogues uh, during uh, the Jews' time. And it is our custom today. Not because it is a right, but because 
the word of God ought to be read aloud in his house, we usually do a, a, a scripture reading. Today's scripture reading will link the end of Joshua with Judges. So if you could please stand with me, we'll read a few verses from Joshua chapter 24. <clears throat> Uh, we can all read in unison. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. He said, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you, and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. You may be seated. <clears throat> Things that we read in the Old Testament, especially with Israel's journey, is a spiritual representation of the church as well as a believer. Let me speak to you about uh, something that should be common to you about the work of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in our own life. How do we become Christians? The truth, the gospel, has to be portrayed to us. And therefore we respond to the work of the Holy Spirit and the gospel and the truth within our life and that's where we first learn how to walk in truth truth brings us to repentance it is at this place that faith also invades our eyes and our eyes are opened to that which could not be seen before to the grace love and mercy of God so we learn to walk by faith as we do those initial walks in Christ, we now come to a major problem that comes out of Galatians 5 and Romans 7 and 8. And that is what the Catholics call the sanctification. And that is learning how to walk in the Spirit versus walking in the flesh. The book of Judges depicts this reality very well for us. These are people who have known the truth, have learned to walk by faith. They did not die in the wilderness. The heat didn't get them, the lack of water, the lack of food. The sandals did not break. None of them, their animals lost any of the young ones. They, no one's aborted. God took care of them. They saw all the miracles. They came to the promised land with all that background. And this is where we're at in this story. The book of Judges. As we move forward 
human nature will begin to express itself. Let's go forward. <clears throat> Next slide. So as we see in the book of Joshua, we have a generation which by faith was led by Joshua and entered the land and conquered it. On the contrast, we have the book of Judges, which stresses our enjoyment of the land by faithfulness. Yet we can't enjoy it because of the faithlessness as we take matter into our own hands. How many of you like to be in control? What does that attack? The reality of Jesus being Lord. The reality of Jesus being Lord is attacked by our control in life. So we see here between 350 to 450 years, seven cycles of unfaithfulness. This book tells us that we are in a dire need of a Savior. This book also tells us that we are in a dire need of being regenerated. A question that was posed to Jesus by one of the Jewish scholars, Pharisees. Okay, let's move forward. Next slide. As we look at Israel, they come from a place where they've seen all the miracles. They're in relationship with God. And how can you get to apostasy? What does it mean for them to have an incomplete conquest? God tells them, go wipe them out. Partial obedience. Is that possible? Are humans good at partial obedience? We're better at partial obedience than at complete obedience. Have you noticed that? Go home and tell your wife, I'll be faithful to you six days a week. See how that goes. See how that goes. That's a pretty good percentage, six out of seven days. Do you think it flies with God? Yes, it flies, but it depends where it flies. Initial battles and the seeds of apostasy also represent partial obedience. The problem is, out of these, what happened? The Lord told them, you're not supposed to marry with people of other faiths. But they disobeyed. What is the reason for this disobedience? Would you say it's human nature? 
I'm infatuated, Dad. I'm infatuated with that person. She's infatuated too. Can you just go talk to that guy? Maybe he's a nice guy. How could God, if the two kids love each other, if the two parents like each other, how can God now allow that? It doesn't make sense to us, so we think it's fine. So they began to intermarry. This means disobedience completely. What happens when we get to the point of disobedience completely is that now there's a bridge that takes us away from relating with God well. So it tells us that the people forgot about the Lord. Well, I'll forget about it when I go to Sunday school on Sunday. Then I put it on the shelf for a while. It also tells us that not long afterwards, people did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. The next thing you know now, you have idolatry. Also given to us as spiritually harlotry. And they served the boss and the Ashtoreth. So this is basically what we see here. Do you want to hear a shocking news? These are people who went to church regularly, had the feast, had more of a religious lifestyle than today's Christian. And I want to dare to ask the question. Could there be a danger today for people who go to church in the same way? Or are we exempt? Do you think there's still idolatry present today? Or we don't see the statues out there anymore. Do you think people still live in the flesh today? We even have terms, carnal, we're carnal Christians. I don't think that's a, you can put those two together. Because if you're not built by the Spirit, you are not a Christian. So don't call yourself a carnal Christian. That doesn't make sense. Let's begin to read chapter 2. Now the angel of the Lord, when you see the angel of the Lord, what does that portray to you? A Christophany, the work of our Lord before he has appeared into the body of Jesus. Went up from Gilgal to Bochim and he said, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? There is a way that is right to man. But in the end, it leads to 
death. People left alone. These are people who are worshipers of God. But you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? Why does the Lord use my voice, not my commandment? Is there a difference when he says my voice versus my commandment? When you're far away, the government gives rules. When the Lord is expecting intimate response, he will use what word? Voice. If you see God's word as a far away fetched commandment, you're really far away. But if God's word rings within your heart and within your mind, that's more like a loving voice towards you. So the Lord is expecting intimacy from his people. Do you think this is how they responded with intimacy? Well, I'm, not, I'm sure you guys have read this. What is this you have done? How do you answer that? Why have you married so-and-so? Why have you done so-and-so? What is the first, what is the first response here? You should all have a response. From that phrase, but you have not obeyed my voice. Because I'm not close to you, Father. Because I'm not close to you, Father. My heart is not close to you. That's what's happened. That's the reality. Everything else is good game. Once you're not close to God, things will follow. Let's move to the next slide. So now I say, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare to you, a pain on the side is one thing, but to be a snare means to have authority and power that you're caught and you're a slave and you can't get out of a snare. As soon as the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the people of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and wept. How did people respond? They were sad. Don't mistake this for repentance. Let's look. Podium mic. And they called the name of that place Bokim, and they sacrificed there to the Lord. What did they do after they were not intimate to the Lord and they cried? They felt sorry. They continued with a worship ritual. Is that what God desires? 
Do you think by coming to church or by doing chores or doing something you can fill in the gap? We have, unfortunately, entire churches that will say, go home and repeat the rosary ten times to fill in the gap. Thank you. Do you think if you pray the Lord's Prayer 20 times today, you will fill in the gap? And even cry doing it. So what does the Lord mean? But where does obedience come from, Eddie? Oh. Intimacy with God. Amen. Let's move to the next slide. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his own inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who lived Joshua who had seen the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. This makes us look also at design. Let's move to the next line. We'll come back to design towards the end of the day. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years old, and they buried him with the, uh, within the boundaries of his inheritance in Tim. Timnaheres in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. And all the congregation, all the generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that, had, that he had done for Israel. <coughs> this ought to be concerning because they would stand for hours during Sabbath to hear God's word being read to them. They went through all the festivals, lived in booths for a week, did the feast, the calendar year. Their parents taught them in their homes, and they went through the system. And what does the Lord say about them? They did not know. Does it mean they had no knowledge? They had more knowledge than we do. Some of them had memorized the entire Pentateuch. Intimacy with God is we know God with our hearts. Not with our minds and knowledge. Let's move to the next slide. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord. I'm afraid to read this word. A most awesome, holy, almighty God, all loving, that we abandon him? What does that say about you and I? That we make ourselves greater than he is. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them. 
and bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord. Again, it tells us again, they abandoned the Lord. Have you ever been abandoned? In my walk as a pastor, I've met a few people that their family was so sick of them, they just drove them in the wilderness, pushed them out the door and drove off. Some of them were sold. You do not want to know how tough ministry is to some of those people. Is this how awful God is to us that we abandon God? We usually abandon things that we don't like I can't stand or deal with. It's offensive to me that the Word of God uses this strong word. Why does God use this word? To tell you, I am intimately involved with you, but look at you. He uses this because he hurts him. Because the covenant goes both ways. So we have to speak about the Baals and Ashtaroth. Ashtaroth, we celebrate it. When do we celebrate Ashtaroth? We celebrate in the church, almost every church in the western side. I'll give you a hint. It's also called Easter. Is the goddess of fertility. And we introduce the name Easter and the bunny and the eggs. And we all go, oh. We'll just put that side to side with the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. People laugh and they think, oh, it's just for kids. It's in the Bible. It's the origin of this pagan. We've carried it along. And, you know, people look at us, oh, that's just something for the kids. Funny thing, he hasn't died. Why are we still carrying Easter around? Ishtar is the female goddess. She dealt with fertility, war, conquest. Women should know it very well because it affects something we call security. Baal was the male god. The thunder, intellectualism, success, money. They can't come together as a package. Baal and Ashtaroth. 
Are we still having this today? Some will venture if they're even stronger than back then. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. I could go on and on about this, but I'm not going to save you the misery because it will continue to come onwards. As Jesus will take it as well. Let's move to the next slide. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them, and he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so they could no longer withstand their enemies. He sold them. That means the dominion. Here's a big aspect of what we see. Why is Israel without a leader? Because God was trying to portray himself as their king. They're a monarchy with God forever their king. And we will see the book of Ruth and 1 Samuel. This is part of the same period where we will hear it from the mouth of the prophet. As he converses with God and he's upset and sad. What does the Lord say to Samuel? Do not be upset, for they did not reject you, but they have rejected me. I wonder, and these are people who went to church and worshipped multiple times a week. Some of them gave a third of their earnings. 35%. And God says, you have abandoned me. You have rejected me. Do you understand now why the disciples, when Jesus said, if you're not better than these, the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of God, the disciples are like, oh well, I guess no one's going to heaven. We don't know anyone better than these guys. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm. As the Lord had warned, and as the Lord had sworn to them, they were in terrible distress. How can a God who's intimate do this to them? Hopefully to bring them back. Let's move to the next slide. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges. For they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked. Who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord and did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge for the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them 
But whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers, going after other gods, serving them and bowing down to them. They did not drop any of their practices of their stubborn ways. The reason why Colossians tell us, just as you receive Jesus Christ, so walk in him, is there is a dangerous way to the way of man, and it only leads in one direction. And if you have your own way that you own, it's spiraling down to your downfall. And that's why you will read in 1 John that as you come out of this learning how to walk in the spirit versus in the flesh, your walk will be illuminated and now you walk in the light versus walking in darkness. And it is there where that victory is shown and then the Lord blesses you with another walking Christ, walking by wisdom and in wisdom. And ultimately the Lord will bless you with walking in love where you're being spanned out and poured out just the way Jesus was. And even Paul himself Today I am being poured out as a drink offering. There's either our stubborn way or we have to learn Christ's way. There's no mixing of the two. People who mix the two, they, can, they get confused between strong emotions and the work of the Spirit. And they cannot separate them. And they're confused and they're calling many times emotionalism the Spirit and vice versa. This is by allowing the human way to still be at life in you. And you say, Pastor, I already know that because Jesus said, if you would come after me, deny self. And if you deny self, there's no room for my way. Pick up your cross. That means I die. And if I die, I have to resurrect to walk into the risen uh, life of Christ. Therefore, I have to learn a new way. And guess what? He doesn't say do that once and you're safe. He says do it daily. Judges. Judges were raised, but literally they're more like generals. They're not the judges that you would think today. They're there because people began to pray and supplicate because of their condition. Just like in Egypt. And the Lord constantly does this. Why do you think we have seven cycles? Why seven? It's a complete cycle of humanity to tell us. You out of your own volition cannot get saved. There's no work and nothing that originates within humanity. So what does this book tell me? 
You are in need of a deliverer. I am. I hope you have come to that sense in your life that you are in need of a deliverer. That you are in need of a savior and a Lord. And don't fool yourself that you're better than others. Or that you go to church more, that your emotions are better, or that you have more knowledge than others. That is the stubborn way of man, is telling God. That doesn't come from the Spirit of God. Let's move to the next slide. So the anger of the Lord was skin against Israel, and he said, Because these people have transgressed my covenant... That I commanded their fathers and I have not obeyed my voice. I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations that Joshua left when he died. In order to test Israel by them whether they will take care to walk in the way of the Lord as their fathers did or not. So the Lord left those nations not driving them out quickly. And he did not give them into the hand of Joshua. Let's move to the next slide. How do we defile the covenant? I mean today. Do you know that you're in a covenant? If you're a Christian. Why are you in a covenant? How do you declare that? We declare that at least once a month. When we take the Lord's table... I'm telling you, I am dependent on Jesus. I see the potential of sin and the wickedness within my own human nature and flesh. And I need the covering of the covenant of the blood, Lord Jesus, of my life. Do you need the blood? Amen. That's why there's a few songs about the blood of Jesus. It's because people were intimately involved with the Lord in their relationship with God. So they wrote songs and they did paintings about the cross and the blood of Jesus. Have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Nothing but the? Why do you think all the songs we had today was about Jesus? Jesus be the center. Because that's the cry of our heart as we read Judges. Man, I need Jesus. Because lust affects you. No one has to teach you pride and selfishness. No one has to, has to teach you idolatry. You don't have to make your children like how to play video games. You don't. You don't even have to make some adults like how to play video games. It naturally comes. The way of the flesh. How do we look at sin today? How do you look at your own sinful nature? Because if you willingly sin, you're telling God, I'm going to put your son over and over again on the cross. 
That's why when we sin, it crushes us because we don't want to repeatedly do that before the Lord. Do any of you want to do that? So it hurts us. We sin, but it hurts and it pains us. Why? Because we love the Lord. And we don't want to do that over and over again. The issue, the scary issue is, Israel was oblivious to this reality. They cried and they continued doing the same thing. But they cried. Does it make sense now why the Lord speaks within the context of a conqueror over an overcomer? Interesting how that is in the book of Revelation. We're talking about the walk where we transition to walk in the spirit versus in the flesh. It says, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. Doesn't that explain this father who says, why have you disobeyed my voice? Do you think the Lord was just as close back then at the door of their heart? You think the Lord loved Israel less than he loves us? No. Do you think the problem may be common today to what it was back then? Let's go back to Moses. Moses spoke to the Lord saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh. Look at that. Please look carefully at the choice of words. Let the Lord, the God of the, of all. What is Moses concerned about? The spirits. He knows the problem of the flesh very well. Appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be a sheep that have no. Do you know how we abandon God? He finally brought them to the promised land. He said, okay, now I want to be your shepherd and lead you. And people reject him and abandon him and they choose their own way. Do you know how this happens in churches? Where we are now people-centered churches. We're no longer God-centric churches. Don't think you're any different or I am. If we do the same thing. God-centric versus people-centric. Which do you think it's easier? There was a young pastor called Timothy. And Paul is saying, well, these are going to come. When people will accumulate for themselves. You say, wait a minute. This is the context of the church to a pastor. How can people accumulate? That's not their job. Ephesians tells me that Jesus gives. 
How can we accumulate? Do you see that transition from God-centric to human-centric? We see a transition here where God is supposed to be at the center. And who comes to the center now? Man. But that he prayed for you and I too. He prayed because the Spirit of the Lord moved him to pray, Our Lord Jesus. Take Joshua, the son of man, amen. So he tells me about Joshua. Let's move to the next slide. Look what happened. This is the theme of the book of, of Judges. In those days, there was no king in Israel. That cold, abandoned talk from God being rejected as king. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Why don't we have meetings to see what everyone thinks and when we can make decisions? Is that how the church is supposed to run? Why don't we have meetings to see what everyone says and what they think? And let's vote on it too. And put our names to vote before the Lord. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. When God warned them within the context of intimate worship. When he gave the priesthood to Moses. You shall not do Deuteronomy 12.8, it's a good passage to memorize. You shall not do according to all they are doing here today. Everyone doing whatever is right in his own eyes. If you are a worshiper of God, you have to abandon whatever you think. That puts you in a place where now it's much harder for you to abandon and reject God. Everyone doing whatever is right in his own eyes. Do you know what I hate the most? And people do it sometimes ignorantly with, Pastor, what do you think about this? And I'm like, who cares what I think? Who cares? Well, what does that pastor say? Who cares? Don't break that intimacy with God. Always go in prayer before him. Enter into fellowship before him. And don't make any other brother or sister an instrument of blasphemy. He's so intimate, his blood is still running, dripping. And we're dependent on it just... You know how bad we are? We are like parasites. But the blood of the Lord cleanses us. And changes us. 
But literally, we are like parasites feeding on the corpse and blood of our Lord Jesus. And that needs to be the awakening reality of the greatness of your selfish nature and sinfulness and the holiness of God. And the more the denial of self and the cross of Jesus grows within you, the, the, the more clearly see the potential of sin in your own flesh and the growth of Jesus as he takes you with him on his journey home. Everyone doing whatever is right in his own eyes. Did they reject Jesus? Uh, did they reject God publicly? Didn't they bring the animals? Didn't they go through the festivals? They went through all the motions. They even claim with their mind, no, but we will serve the Lord. How can we do that? And God says, you've abandoned me. There should be an awakening moment. Solo, Yesu, Christo. Through Christ alone. This should have been your prayer when we ran. Jesus be the center. Be the wind in the sails. A review for your life and mine. How much is Jesus the center of my life and what's driving me? Or is the next job or the next payment or my retirement or how much I have fun? Oh, I have to do all of this and then somehow church will plug in. And I look at people trying to manipulate and to do those things. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You first have to learn his way and be built on the truth. And you will be blessed with this abundant life. They guess what happens? Cuts off the snares of Baal and Ashtaroth. Releases you from that. The world has his way. Your flesh wants his way. But there's a way that does not come natural to us. I'm going to repeat it again. There's a way that seems right in the man's eyes. But in the end it leads to? There's no other way. Because the Lord Jesus says, I am the way. Colossians 2, 7, 6 and 7. So just as you have received Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, so walk in Him. That's the, this, is the, the, this is the arena that the judges is showing us without the Spirit and the Spirit's work within 
you cannot walk in it. And we see the Spirit here work outside with power through the judges, upon, while even at times the within is broken. Samson is a great example of that as you study. There's a work of the Spirit within us, and there's a work on a clothing of power that comes upon us. Let God know us by the fruit that is within us because we are intimate with him. So that, this is one expectation that I have from the flock. That you have no choice but to be a man of prayer, a woman of prayer. That in your life, in your home, in this church, God will be first. And the pastor won't be mean if he doesn't care about your emotional past and your past takes him about direction. Because thy word is a lamp unto and a light unto my Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father of lights, we thank you, Lord, that you have paved the way. Lord, there is a way for us to walk into this world, but there's a way that you need to conquer, a paved way between our hearts and our minds, the greatest distance in this universe that only your spirit can overcome. Lord, we cry out with Paul, Oh, how I want to get rid of this body of clay. And I thank you, Lord, that you thought of it and you promised us a new body. One that will no longer carry. Anything that we need to be rid of. But one that will be one with your spirit and be united with our, with our groom, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, today, refine us, make us, Lord, as a bride awaiting to be reunited with our Lord Jesus. Make you and your kingdom the apple of our eyes, Lord Jesus. Be the center again, work into our hearts, Lord, for the grips and the snare of idolatry and the human nature. Pave way through our flesh if we abide in it. So teach us, Lord, how to walk in the Spirit and transform our hearts. Lord, and I thank you that we don't have to be smart. All we have to do is have that intimacy be birthed in our hearts with you.